Well, that was a jam-packed episode 55 this week, Billy. It was our reflection episode on peer pressure. What are people going to learn this week? Yes, so we focused on kind of how to parents guide their kids in their development so that they will succeed through this vulnerable period in development. Had some amazing questions about more specific questions around that, how to build confidence, um, neurodiversity comes in, a bit of an old school uh, educator approach from your childhood comes into the narrative and then we talk specifically <laughs> about how educators can help kids who are struggling a little bit with peer pressure too. Yeah, we also cover off the fact that Billy's hitting a milestone birthday <laughs> in a week's time. It's peppered throughout the whole episode. <laughs> Billy reminds us that he's in his 30s, but only for so long. Guys, we hope you really enjoy the episode. That's part two. Another episode coming next week. Uh, shout out if you've got any questions in our DMs at Pop Culture Parenting Uh on Instagram. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Daddy, and what does it do? Just use your best judgment. We trust you. Good morning, Dr. Billy Garvey. How are you? Good, Nick. How are you? Feeling fine. Didn't get a coffee on the way here, though, and it is early. It is early. It is early. We had uh, a vet in the bed last night, so <laughs> I might be a bit doughy eyed as well. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Not her fault. She uh, karate kicked through the. Um, the slats on her cot and broke through them. It's not because she's a kung fu master. It's just a, a hand me down, and so <laughs> she's gone through it. So yeah, she was half in the cot, half out between the slats. I oh, said, there's going to be some sticky dates uh, today. Yeah, this isn't a midnight fix. So <laughs> into the bed with me. <laughs> so oh goodness, I yeah. was wondering if she was putting any peer pressure on you to get into the room, but she's not a peer. No, <laughs> but I have actually done a bit of time in the cot. I think you used to do that as oh. well. Get in the cot. I've done some time in that cot. I've done some time in the cot. I'm a bit bigger than you. It's not <laughs> It's not ideal. It's like a real regression, sleep yeah. regression on all fronts for if everyone. If you're tired enough, though, you can, oh. you can sleep with your legs. I told you I, told you I got in thinking one night I was going to save the day. I was like, I'm going to jump in there and I'm just going to go to bed with her and it'll be fine. And then she started just poking my eyeballs as I was dropping off. That's the worst part. They're like, oh, this is fleshy and bouncy and they just – poke it yeah i know it's funny because evie um yeah evie has to sleep with her face pressed against my face which i think is beautiful <laughs> until i'm like cool I, I actually need to sleep as well so yeah so a bit doughy eyed but i think we'll still be sharp for for our reflection episode billy mm. episode 55 mm. my goodness it feels like a big number yeah do we make a big deal of 50 i feel like i'm always always about making a big deal about stuff well you do make a big deal about a lot of things <laughs> A lot of things. But no, we didn't make a big deal about 55 because uh, – about 50 because I think 51 was our final episode of the year. So it was kind of like mm. um, we made a big deal out of 51. Yes, okay. So, yeah, we'll have to think about our next milestone. Mm. Mm. It was uh, it was uh, well-received uh, peer pressure, first episode. Yeah, yeah. We intentionally kind of went up in age because I think a lot of people mm. were finding this stuff helpful about younger age, but we're going to start moving up a little bit as yep. well. Got some amazing eps coming soon. So thank you for everyone that's sending in topic suggestions. Love it. 
But more uh, importantly for today's app, thank you for sending in questions about peer pressure. Yes, it's fantastic. We actually had some random polls this week. So obviously first time listening to a part two, we do polls via Instagram. So go over there and follow us, like, share, follow, save, all those things um, at Pop Culture Parenting. Um, so we did some polls this week, Billy. And 60, 60% of people said they had a hard time with peer pressure growing up. Mm. Did you, would you thought it would be higher? Higher. Yeah, higher. Yeah. yeah, I would have thought it would have been higher. Yeah. Um, probably says a bit about me. Well, yeah. Did How did you feel about peer pressure growing up? Yeah, struggle with had it? peer pressure. Yeah, struggle with it. Because mm. yeah. it's that kind of you want to uh, fit in but, you know, stand out or whatever it is, those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely had a window that was tough um, mm. in high school. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, for everyone's a bit different. We'll talk about kind of what makes a child different in terms of their vulnerability to peer pressure being a negative experience in one of the questions that we have coming up. But, yeah, I think... Nice for all those people that did struggle with it to see how many other people did as well, hopefully. Yep, and 89% of people who responded um, were worried about their kids dealing with peer pressure as well. Mm. Um, but if they listen to these tips, Billy, that you're about to drop today. I know. Hopefully oh. people liked the image choice for that one of um, Paul Walker on the back of the car, like standing up. Because <laughs> that's kind of what you worry about, isn't it? Yeah. You're like the crazy stuff my kid's going to do because someone talks them into it. Yep, and do you know how to show support uh, regarding peer pressure for your kids and 13% of people said yes. Let's hope it's 100% by the end of this yes. part two episode, Billy. Yes, definitely. Yep. So, no, let's um, – we had some short questions come in, didn't we? Yeah, we had some funny ones come through, actually. I don't know who sent this one. It's, does Billy do stand-up because we'd like to book him? Lots of people sent that one. <laughs> I think that was only one. That was a test question. <laughs> um, but they do say laughter is the best form of medicine, so maybe do. my course yeah. is there. <laughs> That's it. Oh, well, then there was this one that was upvoted by everyone. What was this one? Given Nick's blue eyes and good looks, do you think he'd be able to play Paul Walker's son in Fast and Furious 10? That was a common question. Can whoever sent that in just explain to me how you'd be the son? Oh, I don't know. You'd have to ask them, but um, maybe Did because you I pause still for a second there, like you I, knew you had I some insight. Into I was it. taken aback. I was like, well, I wouldn't know. Uh, I don't know if I had to just think about it for the first time now, Billy. Uh, perhaps because I am youthful and could easily be Paul's son. Um, yeah, yeah, I could play twenty three, mate. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's enough CGI. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm in my thirties, and I think that I'd struggle to. Um, <laughs> You are hanging on to your thirties by months, weeks. Yeah, I've got one more app of saying I'm in one my more app. So I'm gonna every family I see in clinic this week, I'm gonna reference that I'm in my thirties. I'm only in my thirties. <laughs> I might not know. So, uh, and there was one more person asked us, um, "How do I peer pressure my kid into sleeping through the night?" <laughs> That's a great question. So, question. unfortunately, there's not a great answer for that one. Um, unless it's an older kid, you can use some kind of sleepover moves. And mm. you're, you, you're very good at, like, using Ronnie to support Freddie stretching. Like, you know, you can show Ronnie how good you are. I've seen you do that with a bunch yeah, of yeah. stuff. I learned that from you, though, that one. Oh, show me how good you are. Yeah, exactly. No, that's really good, that yeah. one. We did that with... Um, yeah, with some toileting stuff recently. Yeah, it's, just really a, it's a cool way to think about yeah. like I'm going to help lift you by showing how capable you are in supporting your younger sibling in doing something that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, so totally. sometimes that can help with sleep because you're like – I mean, you, you I remember you moving the girls back into the same room because you're like, actually don't play in their bedrooms, oh, which you taught me that. They don't play in their bedrooms. Mm. I'd love to hear from a parent that says their kid's – just sidle off to their room and play nicely in their bedroom. They don't. They 
play within that meter of where you are. Yeah. So yeah, we've we've got a oh. two bedroom place, and um, yeah, for when the next baby comes, there'll be uh, a bunk, and I'll be in <laughs> in a gun for the top bunk. Well, we're actually we've got a bunk. We're going to a bunk system in our yeah. house. Um, so I'm gonna see how that goes. Adults any tips? Too. Any tips from any? <laughs> yeah, mum, yeah, mum and I are getting bunks, really. <laughs> Saving space. <laughs> Just need some more wardrobe room. Um, but anyway, the the more serious side of the board. Yeah, more serious side of got the board. Not as many as last time in our questions. No, we've we've, we've restricted it. We've actually consolidated a few. So this week they are consolidated. Um, so let's crack onto them. Uh, great question to start with. Mm. Someone from your old hometown, Billy. <laughs> yes. Fellow Franger lass here. Franger is our Frankston. Says, fellow Franger lass here had plenty of opportunity to take the wrong path. Do you think it's nature versus nurture or having one stable parent? What do you think? Nature versus nurture. Mm. Oh, I think it's a really complex question. Yeah. I think that's really complex. It's so I think I um I think it's different for different topics and subjects. Oh. So I like to think it's nurture. I like to think you can get a good outcome as opposed to just yeah. It's and funny. can you explain nature versus nurture? Because I think I know what it is, but I don't entirely know what it is. Yeah, of course. No, it's just the <laughs> difference between is it kind of a good way of thinking about it is it is it like set genetically in yep, stone that's what, what your future yep. will be, or is there something that we can do to modify it through nurturing them? Totally, totally, you can nurture. Yeah, so you act, you're right. It's a bit of a cop-out, but it's one of those questions that like, I've seen a few colleagues present on and they're like, we have the answer. And you can see the audience being like, oh, my God, <laughs> they're going to explain this. And then they go, it's both. <laughs> and it's like, that's not really, it's not really an answer. <laughs> but, it's, um, but it is, it's both. And the reason it's both is because things like, um, especially in particular with peer pressure, yep. things like temperament are kind of, predestined from your genetic you know profile predetermined predetermined yeah so the kind of thing about you know the bub that struggles to fall asleep a lot yes. a lot of parents will be like this is all my fault i don't know how to raise a baby <laughs> and we'll do a topic it's going to be a while because we've got a lot of urgent ones but we'll do a topic on a new bub coming yeah um, but oh. it is it's a lot of pressure of like is this a nurture thing and i'm not good at nurturing but it's it's a bit of like a genetic you know predisposition but there is, as you've said, there's so much that you can do to support them from the nurturing aspect because of the mm. child with the sensitive temperament or the child who might be more vulnerable because of some of the stuff we're going to talk about having a negative experience through peer pressure. There sure. is so much that you can do early on to give them the best chance of succeeding through that period or when they're in the pocket of really struggling with it that we can do that comes from the nurturing modifiable perspective. The other bit, I have to acknowledge, yes, I love hearing from someone from Franger. So, and as they've referenced, that town, especially if they're um, in their 30s like I am, back in the day had a lot of, um, a lot of opportunities for <laughs> misbehaviour. But I, um, I think I gave all of them a shot. But um, <laughs> the, the question element of, um, yeah, does having a stable parent is a really interesting thing for that person to comment on. Do you know why having a stable parent would support you to do better in peer pressure? Um, someone to do <coughs> model how they respond to behaviour would probably be the key thing. So you can say, I remember back from the first step, it really stuck with me. Um, <coughs> they can see how you respond to people that annoy you in traffic or like just generally respond to you and how you deal with things that you don't want to deal with or 
peer pressure and whatever. Like, there's not so much peer pressure as an adult, I guess, but yeah, there can can be, I guess. But how you respond, so then you you can sort of show them without telling them how to respond to things uh, in their own way, and they can learn it from you. Yeah, beautiful. So that's a big part of it. The other part is in the word stable. Why do you think having a stable parent as opposed to an unstable or kind of disorganised or chaotic parent or a parent that comes and goes, why do you think the stable bit matters? Because um, it's sort of a cooler head sort of prevailing type thing, so seeing that that's really important as opposed to having really hot takes and losing it and being hot-blooded. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good example of it because what that stability does is provide security Mm -hmm. which helps build confidence in the Mm -hmm. kid because they go, I can mess up. Yep. And because of the stability of the relationship, oh, yeah, right. you know, yeah, I'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really important thing through peer pressure oh, that you feel safe and secure when you're exploring those kind of experiments mm. of, um, yeah, rolling around Franger and getting up to mischief. <laughs> you're like, I've got someone stable at home yeah. that's going to be okay. And as you've said already, it's a really good kind of foundation of early relationships. Yep. And you've said that of your mum. So, yeah, yeah. you always had mum. Yeah, awesome. yeah, and she was a big franger. Like, yeah, I shouldn't make fun of it. She, I think, spent twenty years working for um, family Council. services at Frankston Council. So yeah, yeah. she was a big, passionate advocate of that place. But interestingly, in terms of that, sorry, just riffing on this. In when I got into med school, I in your twenties, uh, in my twenties, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a teenager, Doogie Howser. For, for those of us that remember back then, I was the opposite of Doogie Howser. <laughs> I was like, this guy needs Can't another run through med school. Right. <laughs> Let's send him through again. <laughs> um, no, but the, um, yeah, so I remember getting there and just very different peer group. So mm. I didn't come from a medical background family or social right. group. But I remember getting there and I initially used to tell people I didn't grow up in Frankston. I used to make up somewhere nearby. Because I, yeah, felt a little bit of shame and wanted to fit in. So I was like, just pretended I was fancy. Yeah. But I think that um, veneer quickly wore off. <laughs> People <laughs> saw through it. And I went, better just be yourself. <laughs> yes, be yourself, Billy. So, yeah, anyway, question two. Question two came through. Um, where does peer pressure, the term, come from or the theory of it? Is it a Western thing or do other cultures actually have it as well? Got any thoughts on that? Um. Cultural influence on peer pressure. What do you think no. about particularly of the Aussie culture? I don't know. I only know the Aussie culture, mm. to be honest. But what's particular about it? Mate, you uh, spent a bit of time in Europe wow. swabbing yacht decks. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was scrubbing the decks. Um, um, Australian culture is, um, I think of like more growing up of, of what it was like. It's mm. quite uh, relatively macho, but also um, we tall hop. Tall poppy syndrome is a big thing. Yeah. So we love cutting people down. Yeah. And people who are different. <coughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> that makes no, sense. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's a really good point. So yeah, that kind of tall poppy, and that can be really good, like that jovial nature of like ribbing each other and stuff. But some kids really struggle with that, and that can be hard if you're vulnerable to that and your peers behave that way. Mm. That it impacts your self-esteem flying sure. back to pretty woman. And there's obviously a big overlap between those two things that we're going to get to. The other thing is Western culture has a very kind of hierarchical system to it. Mm. So very early on our kids go into a hierarchical system of school. So they go into kinder and they go into primary school and high school. And that's very kind of almost authoritarian of this adult is in charge and will guide everything. Our parenting style is similar as well in Western culture. We are very much parent-led in play. Okay. 
that influences as well how peers will see themselves in their peer relationships, that they will be more likely to look to authorities and possibly push back against them. There's some really cool research that looks at peer influence in um, Latin cultures and okay. kind of in um, indigenous communities in places like Bolivia and kind of Mayan cultures as well. And they are very kind of horizontal or non-hierarchical in their communities. Um, an example of that is the older kids look after the younger kids and they do a lot of yep. the traditional kind of parenting role. So instead of like the parent or the teacher kind of guiding from a much bigger age gap and bigger hierarchical difference of this is how you treat each other, you often have the teens looking after the younger kids and they come up. So it's this beautiful way. Modelling? Yeah, like a, it's yeah. this beautiful modelling and it, I think it promotes a bit more of a caring environment where – because mm. if you think about you as a teen or me as a teen, I didn't have any responsibility of looking after young kids, whereas these communities, and they're much more community-focused in terms of their daily lives and how they mm. interact, I think there's a greater safety in the vulnerabilities of peer pressure. Mm. of yeah i can mess up a bit but i also look after little kids and i've got like elders around me and there's a lot of people that are guiding me and supporting feels me. like pressure or is that just life it can be pressure but if it's done in a supported way it's a great opportunity and you also have more eyes on you so everyone has a greater awareness and goes hey billy's playing up a bit he's you know whatever in that community is a risk-taking behavior because the peers are influencing him a bit more everyone's probably more likely to catch it sooner than kind of maybe the parent that's working heaps or whatever. So I think there's a greater vulnerability, I guess, is the short answer to that. Yep. But it does. Peer pressure comes from the what we call um, almost social contagion of everyone trying to fit in. And you've got to remember there's like we're going to talk to, there is positive elements of it. But we are a stronger community when we're together. Yeah. And teenagers who – and little kids from what we've talked about, you know, preschool kids will be very much object-orientated in their play. Yes. I'm playing with this toy. Yes. A kid can sit next to me and play with a similar toy or whatever. Yes. Kinder kids, like where Freddie's mm -hmm. at now, become relationship play-based. Okay. It's early emergence of that. Now, what peer pressure, which we've talked about last episode, can start emerging four or five, you know, I know the right answer but everyone else in the group has said the wrong answer or is doing the wrong thing. Mm. I've got to go with them. Our collective movement, as you would say, you know, getting everyone pointing in the right direction is a really important thing for our success as a community and a society. So ah. that's one of the reasons that that influence happens and when we become teenagers, we're so vulnerable to it because we're exploring our identity. Right. So that's kind of where it comes from is nice. a very quick... That's like I like it. Yeah, there's textbooks that will explain that better than I just have. But yeah, no, that's kind but of I'm not going to read the textbook, Billy. It's why I come here. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that's why everyone else is here too, <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's going to read that book. We're yeah, going to put yeah. that book down and pick up that podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great segue. Actually, just while we're here, it'd be great if uh, you're listening and you want to do a rating <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> well, or people have since your last call out, so it's lovely to see. It is. Uh, we uh, We love it. So please do that. Thanks very much, guys. Um, Thanking them for something they haven't done. Like, like everyone's going to... Yeah, anyway. Um, so a couple more questions around peer pressure, Billy. Um, where do you start to lay the foundation with your kids in this conversation and what's the best way to do this? I've actually got a couple of questions on this one, so I'm going to read the longer form version as well, if that's cool. Hey, Nick and Billy, love the podcast. Definitely a fan. Thank you for getting such great information out into the community. 
we have an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. So whilst it's early days in peer pressure influence for our kids, I've wondered how do you start to parent? How do you, how do you as a parent start to help them develop their own identity while so heavily influenced by their peers? I remember as a teen not really knowing how to voice my own opinion on something and getting very lost on the identities of my friends instead of figuring out what I wanted in life. Yeah, so great question, isn't it? That's probably what, I don't know, do you feel, can you relate to that question? <laughs> that is, that I was like, my kids aren't four and eight, but I could have written that question. That's a great question. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it is. I reckon a really good lens to think about this because, yeah, there's smarter <coughs> people than me. One of them is Carl Rogers. You know Carl Rogers? And, and you, of course. <laughs> and you, of course, the maths whiz. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah. Who's Carl Rogers? So Carl Rogers, famous um, American psychologist who okay. laid a lot of the theory around things like peer pressure and self-esteem and cool. kind of that stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what you might know him from, but I'll explain one of his theories that fits in this. But he was really prominent in kind of the 1950s. Gotcha. Um, and, yeah, kind of pushed back. He was initially mates with Freud but ended up pushing back on him in Ooh. kind of some of his psychoanalysis theory mm-hmm. to what is called um, the humanistic approach, which, yeah, we'll get into in a future one because it's actually really powerful for some of the other stuff we think about. In regards to peer pressure and what this parent is asking is, Mm -hmm. like, how do I set up my kids so they have their voice and can kind of go through this and don't lose their identity because of their peers? So Carl Rogers would say there's two really important things in kind of your search for identity or what he called self-actualization, and that's kind of getting to... That's like high peak um, as low stuff. Sure like, is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, to triggered your um, amazing intellect there. Um, we won't go through the rungs of... We but, could. <laughs> we we could. could. Of course we could. We could because I could. know it. <laughs> but, yeah, so in that pinnacle is kind of reaching your potential and it's something you don't reach. People yep. kind of misinterpret Rogers a little bit in saying, yeah, I've self-actualized. Sure. But you don't actually get there. That's the point of it. You're That's always striving point. to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Now, the two things that Carl Rogers said happen in childhood that will help you move towards that, that support you also in peer pressure, is self-worth and positive regard from others. And I think we can be really purposeful and strategic as parents in building that in our kids. Now, you might be thinking, how, Billy? How do we do that? How do we do so that? So you have to think about the two of them separately. Now, the positive um, regard from others initially comes from us, and that's what we've talked about. And Rogers was one of the founders of that unconditional positive regard, and that starts with us. Yep. And that's we've talked about that heaps on the podcast. That behaviour is unacceptable because you're better than that, but it doesn't change our relationship. You know, and that's a really unconditional positive regard element. Now, what we hope is when kids move into education and especially when they become teenagers and peers become more important, that they have similar relationships that say, I have positive regard. You will hear positive things about yourself through interactions with me. And we actually change our personality a bit because of that because we see if I tease people, I get negative feedback about it. So I will move away from those type of behaviours and then you're more likely to receive positive regard. Now some kids, throw back to our bullying episode, some kids won't pick that up, that negative feedback, and then they will continue to bully because they get positive feedback from something else and then they also are vulnerable to social isolation as well as the person that they're bullying. So we have a role as parents in two ways of, of you know, positive regard from others. We give them positive regard unconditionally, but we also try and set them up in relationships like with uncles, with coaches, with other kids 
in other non-Western cultures, those teenagers that were looking after young kids would have been a positive influence in positive regard. So that's the other bit. Now, the other part that Rogers talks about is self-worth. And yes. that's, that is what the parent is talking about. How do I make sure that the positive regard from others doesn't shut down self-worth? And Rogers would say you can be really purposeful in that as well. You give kids the opportunity to have voice and they have choice and they have autonomy and they can think differently to us. And you say, because what you want is what Rogers would talk about is the kind of self-image that a child has or an adult and the ideal self, the closer those things are to overlapping, the more likely you are to kind of be living a satisfying, enjoyable life that can overcome adversity, feelings of negativity about yourself, negative experiences with others. The kind of discordance that he talks about, the fracturing of how you feel about yourself and your self-worth is often because your ideal self is so far from where you are. Ooh. And what we're all trying to work towards is – yeah, I wish I was a bit fitter, I wish I was a bit smarter and I wish whatever, but I'm happy with who I am and I'm happy with how I think about things even when someone says, I think you're wrong. Okay. And that's a really important part because what kids who don't go through that process well, they become influenced by peers because they go, I'm probably wrong, I don't have much self-worth. So this person said, let's go, you know, race cars illegally um, for pink slips. Then they're going to be like... Yeah, cool, that sounds wrong, but what do I know? I don't have much self-worth. Mm. So that protects them. So that's a v- I hope that answer's helpful. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was good. Uh, Rogers. Yeah, so Rogers had a really cool stuff about this. And, it, yeah, it'd be something interesting to open up again, but it is you can be purposeful as a parent, I guess, is the short form good. in going have to give them positive regard but also have to practice establishing self-worth by it's okay when you think differently to me. Yep. Because they're going to have a lot of times where they need to be able to feel okay when they think differently to their peers. Yeah, we need to model that. I love it. Yeah, Billy, now this one was a common question. And this is what I think of when we think about peer pressure, I think we think about the friends that you have and your kids choose. So I thought you were going to bring up the Ryan Gosling thing. Uh, sorry, the um, Paul Walker thing again. <laughs> Another common question. Nick and Paul Walker. So the, second, the second most asked question. <laughs> How do you support making good decisions when it comes to choosing friends? Yeah, so I think we talked about that a little bit in the first one about kind of role modelling what good relationships look like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you've already highlighted in the answer to the first question, we are kind of foundation of kind of practising how you engage with other people and behaviours and recovery and all that stuff. Yep. And, like, and the other thing is, like, what we want them to have good friends, don't we? Yeah. We want them to have – and that's why I picked Fast and the Furious because Dom is this amazing friend. Amazing you friend know, to Toretto, everyone. yeah. Toretto, like, I wish I was mates with Toretto, you know. You got me. You you're, close, you're close to Toretto. <laughs> I feel like now you should be Toretto in the Photoshop. Maybe. But anyway, so <laughs> what, you, what you're looking for is how do you, how do you teach your kids mm. how to reflect on the quality of friendships they have? Because I don't think, like, you and I probably do it. You probably go, cool, what are these relationships I'm in like? But I didn't do it as a teen. I was hopeless at it. I was like, he's the cool kid. It was right or die, I'm going to be mates with him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing that happens in Fast and the Furious. Walker kind of changes his identity because of what he sees in Toretto. And it's the caring bit. It's not how good he is at racing cars. And 
so that's what you want to try and set your kids up to value. And I see parents that are phenomenal at this. Like, mm. nothing, not a criticism. It was a different time when we were coming up. Not a criticism of our parents. But trying to say this is what good friendship looks like, you know, and it's not valuing how cool someone is. It's valuing how they treat other people and yep. stuff like that. And the world is getting much better at that, which is amazing to see. But I think, yeah, role modelling that, having open discussions about it, they will watch how we value other people as well. So that's the challenge is that if we're like, oh, he's a bit of a jerk, but, you know, he won them at premiership, then the kid is like, oh, sweet. So it's you can be a jerk if you win premierships. And so that's the risk is that we are actually showing our kids our value system like that and we don't want our kids to adopt our value system. We want them to choose their own, but which is an also a really important part of self-worth, going back to Rogers, is that they choose. They choose what their values are. But, yeah, we've got to be careful about that stuff, about it's okay that they behave like that because of X. They won the premiership. They're really good looking. Yep. They've got heaps of cash, whatever yep. it is. Because what you're showing your kids then is that trumps it, whereas it should <laughs> be like, no, 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 how they treat people trumps everything else. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Totally. No, no, that makes, that makes way more sense. Yeah, and early conversations about that are really important, but role modelling as well. So how it doesn't matter if you people. sit down around the dinner table and go, how everyone treats each other is really important. And then you're like, you know, idolise someone who's a jerk someone to everyone because they go, dinner table conversation doesn't matter. Dad's really into that. Or dad has a friendship where the person bullies him a bit. Or dad has a friendship where the person takes advantage of him or whatever. Because then the child is watching going, oh, actually their values dad, are... Dad is that. Yeah, yep. dad values that guy because whatever. Yep. So it's important. We're really role modelling how we select the people in our lives and that, that will influence how they select theirs as well. And there's obviously heaps of stuff you can do around scaffolding and opportunities and go, you know, that footy coach is awesome. I'm going to get him in the team. I know the footy coach will endorse good relationships. It won't be me hassling them about it. You know, and that's why finding the balance of that stuff is really important about like it doesn't really matter yet for Evie because she goes to swimming class but she looks at the other kids but that's it. Whereas you'd see Freddie in her dancing classes, she's kind of starting to build relationships and you can – that's a really good scaffolded, supported environment of peer early friendship development. Yeah, that's going to actually change. Man, oh, that I like that. This one's a good one. Yeah. Around, yeah. About, around how people treat people is what you should be modelling on. Yeah, exactly. And it's, we always think the conversation will be the powerful thing. We'll have that chat about it no. and it'll be fine. But I don't think we think purposefully enough about like what am I actually role modeling and demonstrating to my child in the way that I have conversations. You know, that's that they they will watch that and that will influence them much more than we sat around the dinner table and said, you know, never swear. If you're out there just swearing, swearing the whole time work. or talking about people behind their back or whatever, they're going to be like, oh, dad says never do that, but he does it all the time. You know, yep. so I'm writing notes now, Billy. <laughs> You've got me writing bloody notes. First time I've written a note. Well, I'm glad I won you back because I feel like I didn't have you with the Rogers thing. <laughs> no, Rogers. Rogers was. I've gonna. I, I liked it. It was like, but this this being really purposeful. Um, the difference as opposed to like just saying it's like so no, you've actually be purposeful. I like it. <clears throat> cool. Um, Billy, are there any examples where peer pressure can actually be a good thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got a beautiful example of one that I forgot to call you out for. Um, one of your, what's one of your peer communities? I get really nervous when you do this. Cause I don't oh, know if I'm gonna reveal. Oh, so you just don't gloat like I do. That's why. <laughs> why? What? So one of your, what's one of your big peer communities? 
I do some training. Yes, I do some martial arts. Yeah, and you had a recent success. I did have a recent success, yes. Yeah, you moved, moved up a belt. Which oh, is, I got a coloured belt. Which is amazing. Which is nice. Some I mean, people actually ask, oh, you must be like beyond white belt after all these years. I can now finally go, yes, in fact, I am. Yeah, which is amazing. And I reckon your peers in that community supported you in gaining that goal. Yeah. Didn't yeah, they? Yeah, like, awesome. Don't get me wrong, Henry's amazing at supporting you in that. No, no. But yeah. your peers are in there and your peers, will, when you wake up and you're like, I don't want to go, there will be a peer influence or peer pressure Yesterday, my coach threw up. There was an open mat yesterday. It was a public holiday where we were yesterday um, before we recorded. And um, he was like, there's an open mat. You don't have to go. But I was like, oh, I'm going to go now. (laughs) It's not like the coach is going to be there. Yeah, so our kids are the same. I remember growing up, like, there was a bunch of us that were all kind of, you know, early drinking stage. And I had a close mate who I think listens to this, which is awesome. Um, and he was riding a surf lifesaving. Yep. He was like the Portsy, for people I don't know, really rough surf beach. He was like the Portsy club champ and, yep. and um, really fit guy. And that was protective for him if he wouldn't get as boozed as the rest of us and stuff because he's like, I've got all those people that will expect me to do well tomorrow <laughs> morning. I don't want to go there hungover. I don't want to not show up, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. And then I had my other best mate who we used to, <laughs> he used to play footy down in the Frankston League, which is very rough. And he was um, an amazing, beautiful human, but he used to get a bit wild and then we'd um, sleep in the car, like, <laughs> outside of the footy club. And then um, he'd wake up in the car and then oh. go and play a game. And he was less influenced by peer pressure, but he had a lot of natural <laughs> talent. And he was, um, yeah, it was amazing. He was a good good mate since prep. And, um, and yeah, he, he had a big influence, like his peer group. He, he was Lebanese, came from a really big family, big yep. Lebanese family, and they, their peers were their family. And there'll be people listening that have big families or heaps of cousins and stuff. And that influenced me. It changed my values being around them because they were very like family orientated yep. and all coming together. And yeah, they didn't really drink that much. It was all about food and playing sport and all that stuff. So both those guys are the reasons that sport is still a part, like physicality and running and all those things. They were peer influences that still exist to me. And that was I was in my teens back then and now 30s so you know still has an influence on me so so yeah it's important so there are heaps of good examples and that's what we want to try and do is set up good opportunities for peer pressure to have a positive influence influence on our kids just like it does for you and i yeah but i think we're in agreement that going through peer pressure and not being protected from it is really important because if you don't sort of deal with this now it becomes a bit of a problem later in life yeah so we recorded last weekend i think monday morning I saw a 17-year-old in clinic who has not had a peer influence since primary school. He hasn't attended school like in, in any significant fashion since he was nine. And, 17 now. And I'm seeing him eight years later and he can't name a mate, you know, and he is this beautiful human who's about to enter the adult world without any kind of opportunity to develop social skills, relationships, all of that stuff. And it breaks my heart. And I, I want peer pressure for that kid. It's just I need him to go back to peer pressure opportunities when he was eight and I can't do that. Can't do so that. I should have met that kid when he was eight, you know, and I'm meeting him, yeah, when he was nine, sorry, I'm meeting him eight years later. So it's <sighs> wild and it's not, it's not any single individual's fault but those parents are desperate and trying their hardest. 
and that kid needs probably more than anything peer relationships. If I could do one thing for that kid, I only the main reason I want him back in school is for his peer relationships, not so he gets better at maths. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So what I've got to try and do now is like find what's going on. But my big management strategy is how do I get him back in peer relationships for positive peer pressure that's going to get him out of the house, that's going to get him working on his relationship skills, that's going to build his self-esteem. Those are all the things. So, yeah, peer pressure is not a net negative. Yep. It's an important thing that we need to support our kids to go through and make sure they have opportunities to fail at it. Like I said, we are the safety net. We will still hopefully be the safety net when they're adults, but we need to be a pretty observant safety net when their teens going through this that is there for them when they fall and mm. says it's cool back on the trapeze or whatever analogy mm. you want to use god yeah okay cool um okay <laughs> i liked this question this next one this is question six we've got three to, three more to go billy how do you help young boys eight-year-old boy in this case navigate playground and when to be a dibby dobber yeah, Dibby Dobber. Dibby Dobber. I hadn't heard that in a while. Were you a Dibby Dobber? Uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, I was. No. I think I'm still a bit of a Dibby Dobber. Can I, can I tell you why? Mm. I had a guy telling me, and went to go and tell me one day in year four, and he was like, I'm going to go tell the teacher. And I walked with him pleading the whole way, don't, please don't tell him, please don't tell him, please don't tell him. I got there in front of him and told the teacher, and the teacher turned and said, no one likes a dibby dobber. Go away and sort it out, you two. And we kind of did. And so it stuck with me that the teacher didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So I don't know, bit of an influence. That was the 80s. I'm not sure if it's the right way to say it. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, that I haven't heard you tell that story before. Oh, and it's, um, I haven't. I hope it doesn't fly in the face of what you're about to say, but it, that was my experience. Yeah, it's really important that <laughs> no one ever says no one likes a dibby. No, no, totally. No, no, it's the social norms that are around us. And I think, yeah, it is a little bit different back then, but I'm not being critical of that teacher. Yeah, no. Like I liked the bit where it was like sorted out. That this probably would have been good of... We're going to sort it out. I'm going to help you both. Let me help this. you. No. <laughs> As opposed to go, go and beat each other up <laughs> out of my eyeline. What's <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the 80s? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was, and it's funny because it is a bit of a personality trait mm. of people that are very by the book. It's also a developmental stage. So, yeah, I think did we hear the age of this child? Eight. Eight, yeah, yeah. Eight-year-old boy. So that's what we call still in kind of concrete thinking about um, reasoning and a lot of people will be like that. They're like, you bounced it out of the lines and the game has to stop or, you know, it's our turn now and stuff. And the other kids will be like, ah, we're just messing around. It doesn't need to be by the rules. Or you've only taken a step over the line. You're not really out of bounds. And, you know, there'll be some kids that are like little police officers. And I'm like that. I blow up about like... Oh, that stuff I'm on board for. I am about those rules. but uh. Yeah, so there's social rules around us in everything though, isn't there? Sure. And what a lot of kids struggle with is the intricacies of social skills that says, yeah, this isn't a time where I should be rigid about the rules and be mm. concrete and I need to use some abstract reasoning to think what's the experience like for that kid or actually this is a different set of rules because we're just messing around. We're not playing a proper game of basketball so it doesn't matter. Or, you know, that kid is struggling emotionally. I probably shouldn't tell on them for going out of bounds or whatever. There's also an element of there are times where you have to. 
say, you know, you don't want your kids to be like, never go and tell an adult about anything because that's really dangerous. That's and dangerous. we'll hear our last question, which is a powerful one, has an element of that. Okay. Where you want kids to know, no, that is a point where being a dibby dobber or whatever is important because adults need to know that's happened. But sometimes kids will lose the depth and opportunity of their social relationships because they are too rigid in their thinking about rules and then that will impact their peer relationships. Yeah. And it's a really important bit through peer pressure because, yeah, if you and I would, you know, if you didn't have that skill, you would have no peer relationships as a teenager because Tough. they are all breaking rules. <laughs> and if you went every time and said, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that, like I've intentionally stayed away from some of the actual stuff I was doing. But if I was, instead of trying to be cool, I was like, hey, we can't do this, it's against the whatever, I would um, just try not to sell myself. Please, <laughs> please open up. <laughs> yeah, on record, just say some of the stuff you actually did. The more wow. detail, the better. <laughs> no but, one's listening. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's an important thing because I prioritised the social relationship and the peer pressure overpowered my this is the rule thing and kids yeah but an eight-year-old there's heaps of eight-year-olds that are rolling around being the little ones in charge and like all of us often it's a different set of rules for themselves how do you how do you as a parent let your kid know do i correct them so yeah open up a conversation with them about it when they're kind of dibby-dobbing like so for example freddie comes and is like ronnie just did that Mm -hmm. You know, you can decide how you play it, but you the most important thing is whatever whatever way you're playing it, whether it's like the extreme of, you know, thank you for telling me and Ronnie's in trouble, or the opposite of like the teacher who's like, No one likes a dibby dob, I'll go and sort it out with Ronnie. Watch how they go with it is the important bit. I almost don't care what you do about it. Watch how they go. If you notice that their relationship is not strengthening as it should be with time, and they are having more conflict or moving away from each other, go, cool, yeah, my response was wrong. They are not going off and sorting this out on their own like I, like my teacher told me to. We didn't. I mean, longer term. <laughs> and the kid weren't made longer term. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Because you're, you're a nice guy. Young, just, yeah. yeah. Just didn't, yeah. Yeah. You name him, name him if you want. I'm yeah, not going to name him. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> lovely guy. Mates who are still mates with him. Yeah, nice guy, but... It's, yeah, anyway. yeah, but no, but it's an important point. So when, when Freddie comes and says Ronnie's done this thing, you should navigate it purposefully mm. and not just like react and go, you're driving me nuts, I'm trying to make dinner or whatever. You've got to have a thought process that you go through that goes, cool, this is how we respond to this. Cool, tell me what happened. Sweet. Do you think there might be a reason Ronnie did that or, you know, whatever? But you can do the option, your teacher's option. you just got to help them resolve it instead yeah, right. of being like – Go and figure it out. So I think that's probably somewhere I would land. I would be like, cool, that's frustrating. Like I appreciate telling me, but you know what would be even more awesome is if you guys could find the answer to this together and I'm going to help you do it. And then you hope that they'll get to the point where in 200 times of it happening, you don't even hear about it because they resolve it together and that's a social skill that will help them when they have peer pressure and conflicts with other teens where one of them is tempted to go and tell an adult and they're like, actually, we can resolve this together. Hey, I think this is the wrong thing to do because of X, Y, Z. What do you reckon? You know, and there's a safety in that. But you've got to have t- tested that. You don't just not get opportunities, become a teenager, and then you can self-advocate. Gotcha. So that's, yeah, that's the powerful opportunity in that question. Okay, cool. Um, Billy, we had a couple of questions come through about peer pressure and autism. Mm. So a couple of parents and carers um, – 
uh, kids with a diagnosis of autism. So I might just read these ones out. So my neurodiverse kids aged seven and nine get really influenced by their peers and their interests, and I'm sure it's the same for neurotypical kids. But ASD kids tend to be get really stuck on these things and or can be really infuriating can be really infuriating when it's a constant want of the newest and shiniest things. I constantly worry about how easily they'll be influenced as teens. What are the best ways to support our kids to help them make good choices? And just to follow up to that one was... I might stop you because there's one sorry. in Nash and then the second one, so sorry. I'm gotcha. Ruining your flow, which is also amazing. No, it's not a great flow. <laughs> so, no, no. So it is common and we're going to, because we're having so many people asking about neurodiversity, we're going to do that soon. Um, but it is a really important point. I don't know how much you know about autism, but to, to have a diagnosis of autism clinically, you actually have to have deficits in your social and communication skills. Now... The reason that we often see in kids, especially high-functioning children with autism, they will struggle with um, peer relationships and be more vulnerable sometimes to peer pressure influences because they're trying to fit in is because of some of those things that they find hard. And a lot of it is in their social and communication abilities. For example, they really struggle to understand a lot of nonverbal skills so kind of facial expressions and gestures and stuff like that and they can take things quite literally and what that means is not so much that you struggle with peer pressure what it means is that you struggle to kind of develop really deep friendships because you know you're the child who kind of takes everything literally you don't get jokes so younger kids are like oh you know that person's doesn't really you know have all the same kind of in jokes that we do or you know even within the verbal communication element like pragmatics how you use language they will often really struggle with that so my point is what a lot of the evidence shows is that um, social skills training is where the money is so what social skills training does is helps kids say hey you um i've noticed that sometimes you kind of will have a disconnect in your back and forward socially with peers because you don't interpret facial expressions so what we're going to do is work on like interpreting facial expressions and saying sweet this is where that is or this is how we do joint attention this is how we do back and forth you know like some kids who have a diagnosis of autism it'll be simple things like they'll kind of stand right up to another child or they kind of don't understand just simple kind of um, social rules of this is the amount of space we should have, this is the volume we should have, this is I should, you know, be thinking about what's your experience like in this. But you can skill up in that stuff and that's why the evidence is in that. You just have to – the problem with kind of universal approaches, like it, anyone who's listening who has a child with autism is going to say – Yes, sweet, my kid is fine though with interpreting facial expressions. So that kid doesn't need that support. But thinking about where is it that they struggle with having deep social relationships, what bit is it? And then you work on that and ideally with a therapist. Often it's a speech pathologist and an occupational therapist that are really strong in this space. And what will they do is you very specifically focus on the, the barriers that they're hitting to overcome them and that actually protects them in the future. For two reasons. They've had a lot more opportunity in, in, in deep relationships to be able to understand the intricacies of it and when peer pressure comes, they're less likely 
to kind of fail at it and not succeed in kind of moving successfully to their interaction with another kid. The other thing is it boosts, going back to Rogers, it boosts their self-worth. So they kind of go, okay. it's actually all right. I'm not so dependent on this friendship that the kid says, go and set the school on fire. And I'm like, I know that's wrong, but this is my only mate. So, <laughs> and I see that heaps. These kids, like, are not, not just kids with autism, like other kids with neurodiverse diagnoses such as ADHD, they struggle because their impulsivity, like, almost the same. A lot of those kids, like, they can't wait to their turn in a conversation because <laughs> they're just like, I've got to tell you. And you're <laughs> like, I want to speak as well. Whereas you and I, even on this episode, there's been a few times where one of us is going to speak, but we can tell the other person. Now I can hold it and go, I'll hold that in my mind and I'll switch because I understand through gesturing and body position and everything, Nick's about to say something. Yep. Whereas kids with ADHD sometimes miss those opportunities to change and the other kid will go, oh, man, that's so annoying. <laughs> like I'm going to invest my time in other friendships. Then the kid with ADHD will get to becoming a peer and he's had less opportunity and has vulnerability in his own self-worth that he's more likely to be influenced down kind of undesirable behaviours and those kids often really find each other and that's why we really worry about peer pressure and delinquency and a lot of kids running around in the community because they've all been handicapped by not having good opportunities to develop self-worth and social skills and they find each other and they're so dysfunctional in it that they go and get up to really antisocial behaviour and everyone's like, those goddamn kids, but it's actually all of our fault that we didn't recognise early on that they actually needed support in their social skills because of autism, because of ADHD, because of whatever, because of the first question. They didn't have a stable parent early on. So we need to go, cool, we need to work on that, not go, you're an antisocial delinquent teen who's driving us crazy you know, we need to go back to that and realise that. And you can go back. Like people worry, ah, oh, they're doomed. They're doing that bad no. stuff. No kid I've ever met is doomed. And I've met thousands of them and I've never gone, you're doomed. That 17-year-old's not doomed. There's a path back for that kid to have yep. a successful adult life as well as all of these kids. And that, that's the thing, focusing on that. But we'll do a whole lap on neurodiversity. Yeah, but just on that, like a lot of what we're talking about here as well is about setting up for adult life. That's the point, right? So being socially, emotionally developed well enough that you can... There's a point of everything. Yeah. There's so much hope in childhood and adolescence. The reason I work in medicine with kids is because of that hope. I don't see that hope in a lot of adults and their life they experience and the loneliness and the hardship and the mental illness and the anguish and social isolation and all those things. I have no moves for that. It just breaks my heart. Mm. I've got, yeah, nearly 20 years of moves and 14 years of <laughs> full-time university <laughs> for the kids because it's so goddamn rewarding because it is that hope. And that's what, why you and I are here doing this all the time because it's so much fun and so rewarding. But, yeah, there's and that's, yeah, peer pressure is a really good one to be like it's okay if you're in the pocket and you're like, oh, man, I should have sorted this out 10 years ago but there's so much you can do now for it but there's also so much you can do to build it so when your kid gets there they're like sweet i know how to put my foot down say you're a really important friend but i think that's nuts or actually i went and did it i now need to go to dad and say hey dad we did this and i know dad's going to be annoyed and really disappointed in me but he's going to still be supportive of me and unconditionally there for me Mm. Anyway, cool. go to part B. Part because, B. Yeah, I'll be right. that for too long. Uh, so, uh, uh, just yes, part B. This was uh, from another person. 
I'm really interested to hear the second app on peer pressure, particularly with respect to children on the autism spectrum. My daughter, nine, is phenomenal at masking. She tries to f- she strives to fly under the radar and be liked by all the it crowds, even though she prefers quiet company and gets overwhelmed by attention. She's eager to fit in, and we're concerned that her vulnerability to peer pressure, especially as she gets older, would love to hear more on supporting kids on the spectrum through challenges of peer pressure and all the all this entails in the setting of social justice, rigid thinking, and difficulties with social cues while still maintaining and developing friendships. Yes. So the reason that that one I pause between them is because the I could have given the same answer for both of them, but there's something unique, um, an additional bit in this, which is um, masking. And it's yeah. just a really important... Do you know what masking is? No. So, yeah, and it's more common in girls. So a lot of the research about this stuff that's like, you know, 50 or 100 years old was it's like a lot of social research is done in men and so it's just like it doesn't fit well and then we go oh she can't have autism because she's not doing xyz and so we miss heaps of girls with autism we miss heaps of girls with adhd because like we've talked about in uh, finding nemo your favorite app the <laughs> the um girls are more likely to just be inattentive and not hyperactive yep. and there's similar differences in the profile of gotcha. kids with autism and masking is one way that we miss kids because they're like i realize that if i do that thing it's going to reveal yeah more like there'll be negative feedback sure like if i do that thing you know, there's a lot of things like this. A lot of kids with autism will have anxiety, but they will feel the peer pressure to hold in the classroom environment back some of, say, their self-soothing behaviours because they're like, if I do that thing, everyone kind of stares at me or something. Problem is it elevates their anxiety. They can't actually function optimally in that environment. They get home distressed, cognitively fatigued. They haven't supported their friendship development because they've been so worried about just fitting in but they can't be themselves and that's like that's the whole we'll do the whole neurodiversity app on like how do we do that as a community and as parents and professionals that are around kids but it is a really important point that this parent has signaled is that i'm worried i'm going to miss stuff Mm -hmm. because and then there'll be more vulnerability through that peer pressure and yeah that that is really important to identify in kids and think about what's really going on underneath like is there Mm. any masking that's occurring and lots of kids will mask not just kids with autism um but thinking about that and then really gently stretching them in it and watching how they go and if you kind of have a good relationship with them and go oh man i'm really worried that you're you know you get home for example and you just really struggle and you do a lot of self-soothing behaviors going are you holding this because of peers and you don't want to kind of be yourself and all of that stuff? And there's a real there's a real risk in that that we don't say, actually, all this stuff is okay. Like mm. it's all those things are fine for you to do and those behaviours to have and those different thoughts to have to everyone else. And it's actually all of our responsibility to flex and change the way we think about stuff because most of those things are just like these weird social conformities of it's not okay to do that thing in public or Mm. whatever it is. And so, yeah, we'll go really deeply into it, but I wanted to call that one out because it particularly is a vulnerability and peer pressure that kids will then get to that and they're even more vulnerable if they've spent years and years and years trying to conform because everyone says it's not okay to do that thing or, 
you know, you have to do X, Y, Z. Can you give me an example? Because I've yeah. been in the classroom for a long time. Yeah. So, for example, um, a classic masking thing is what we talk about, self, self-stimming self behaviour, like where just hand flapping, for example, or I do this particular movement or I do this particular thing and it helps me self-soothe. So, we all have things like this. Like I get a little bit stressed and I'll bite my nails or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Okay. But that's, that's not on the spectrum. It's on the spectrum when it's like I have to like – you know, I have to do this thing repeatedly and it's a repetitive, restrictive behaviour um, that stops me being able to go and do something else. Gotcha. So I can't keep functioning in the classroom or whatever. Gotcha. So the, the functional impact is the important bit, not the kind of what my peers think about it and all yeah. that stuff. But the problem is that the kids will often mask it and they'll go, oh, I've got this real tension in me to do X, Y and Z, to flap my hands or whatever and I can't do it because of the social pressure and the expectation and then when they become teens they've kind of spent so long suppressing these feelings and kind of you know parts of themselves that they're hugely vulnerable to being like i'll just go with whatever is expected of me and every single kid in the world needs to feel confident in not doing what's expected of them it's a really important like we probably should do a whole topic on it because it is, it's a really important, true autonomy is not you'll do the right thing because I told you, you'll do the right thing because it's what you want to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the vulnerability and peer pressure, especially kids who are on the spectrum, is that they have spent so much time trying to conform to everyone else's expectations in everything that they do mm. that they get to the hardest pocket of it in peer pressure and they go, well, of course, I've got to conform and I can't be myself. Mm-hmm. And that's this parent will have no risk of doing it because you can tell in the beautiful way that they speak about their child, they are celebrating them and giving them independence and all that stuff. But unfortunately, it is not only one parent who predicts that pathway into peer pressure in terms of kids with neurodiversity. It's interactions with so many more people. And as kids move into teenage years, peers and other adults will have a greater influence on them and that's one of the reasons we do the pod is to give psychoeducation not to the parent of a child with a disability or with neurodiversity or who's an orchid or whatever it's actually everyone else that's around the orchid or around the kid who's on the spectrum or whatever because that's the best chance of successfully developing a kid right the best chance of successfully developing a kid it's the best chance of succeeding as a community is that you see the strengths in everyone if you know what I mean, like you know this, but if we're like, for example, you know this better than I do, but if you if your whole footy team is just kids that can kick a ball really far, you're going to be a pretty crap footy team. Yep. You actually need diversity in your skill set of your footy team. Yep. It's exactly the same in the community. And I haven't met a kid who doesn't have a skill that I can unlock and say you are going to be – our entire community is going to benefit – if we engage this part of you. Now, that helps the kid's self-esteem, which is awesome, and the priority, but it also makes the community stronger. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you just value, if your only way of success on the footy team is how far you kick the ball, mm. it's ridiculous. Or how obedient a kid is in the classroom. Or how obedient a kid is in the yeah. classroom or how good they are at maths as your complete metric. You've got to remember our measurement system in schools is very dated. Like it's very much this is how we measure your determination of success is what your test score is on the English exam. The problem is you get out into the real world <laughs> and that is not what determines your success. So we're getting better at it but we we test a lot of metrics through this about how do we actually test 
the mental health and we've kind of been doing a lot of work in that space which is really exciting with some amazing people I get to work with about how do we how do we measure those non-academic things because they're actually more important so we need to make sure we've got a good track so that we can catch the kids and my whole PhD was on that how do we catch the kids early that are sending up flares saying I'm struggling and say cool we're going to come in and support you and it's not because you got a D on your algebra exam it's because you're really vulnerable to peer pressure and we've noticed that you have no self-worth and so you will do whatever it takes to fit in socially. And then we go, sweet, cool, this is what we do about it. We don't give you more algebra homework. No, we give this kid or teach this kid some skills to actually deal with peer pressure. And then what do we do after we've taught them the skills? Uh, we reinforce them. When we see them. When we see them. So opportunity. Yeah, and that's why it's better than just a parent who might get two hours at the start of the day and two hours at the end with the kid to make sure that the school and the footy coach and the inmates, everyone else. Yeah, everyone's on the same page. Yeah, it's really important, especially, yeah, kids with neurodiversity are particularly vulnerable because so much of our expectations are difficult for them, more difficult than neurotypical kids. And so part of it is, yeah, we need to actually adopt and think about the strengths of each individual kid in our community, which is a much better way. It's very easy for me to say this. It's... um. It's hard to do it, but it is possible. And I'm really lucky that I get to work with some amazing people in this space. Just takes time. Um, question eight, Billy. How do I help when I can see peer pressure, but the kid doesn't want to admit that it's happening? Oh. Yes, and so this was from an educator, uh, teacher, and yeah, really tough, really tough. So probably, I know this person's not doing this, but probably not going... Don't you realise they're all just trying to... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because then that challenges the self-worth and identity of that kid. So it's a bit like a thing that I often think about is it's instead of like jumping out in front of someone and saying stop, it's always easier to run alongside them and turn them. And, you know, I learned that from childcare. Like it's no one likes to be told that what they're doing is wrong or they're being peer pressured into stuff or whatever. So what you want to try and do is open up a like trusting relationship and connection and all that stuff we've spoken about heaps. But then just exploring with the kid with open questions. Like, do you think they're a good mate? What do you reckon's behind the fact that, you know, they're getting you to flood the toilets every lunchtime or, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. But you don't come in and say, can't you tell they're just trying to get you in trouble and they're all laughing at you behind your back? Because that, that's a huge challenge to that kid's identity because then they're like, Jesus. And often they will retreat back into that social group because they'll yeah. be like... They don't challenge me like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I feel better when I'm with exactly. them, even if it's stupid. Yeah, so that's the problem it. is that kids seek connection over being right and that's what happens in mm. the kind of antisocial behaviour that we see is that kid is isolated out as a negative narrative. We don't even like you being in a school. You're a naughty kid, whatever. Why would I go to school? Cool, I roll around with all the other kids that got kicked out in the community. They, they care about me. They check in. They want me to come. You know, yeah, they also, you know, get us up to some real antisocial bad behaviour. But I don't care. Connection trumps everything. So I, that doesn't matter to me. So the other point about educators is that I get to do a lot of work going and talking to schools and we're opening up that pathway with the website. But you be proactive, like we talked about with bullying. Like have conversations about peer pressure with your school community. Also, going back to the neurodiversity stuff and the social skills training, involve the parents. A lot of the evidence on social skills training for kids who struggle, whether they have a diagnosis of autism or not, includes psychoeducation for the parents. So it's great to be doing stuff with the kids directly and you should yeah. be having conversations in schools about what peer pressure looks like. 
and the influence and like developmentally appropriate, but especially in high school. Developmentally saying, appropriate. Hey guys, this is yeah. what it looks like. A lot of the cool studies, they do role modeling where they get up in, they do sessions where they get up and they go like, you know, hey, Samantha, oh, come I have this joint with me. I'd be good at that. I reckon <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. good at that. I love, as is evident on the podcast, I love any opportunity to do that oh, stuff. So maybe we should do something like that in the future where we'll do stage. some role modeling. Hey, Billy. Like, Come smoke this joint with me. <laughs> but yeah, but what you're doing is like opening up a dialogue about that. And mm. so kids have good awareness of going, yeah, cool, that's what peer pressure is. And they've thought about it and you can talk about different strategies and all that stuff. Once again, not to say everyone in this school needs to say no when someone offers you a joint, but kids have thought about it and experienced it and had a dialogue, especially with their peers about it, so that they're not like on the spot going, Jesus, I didn't see this coming. Like, and that's, yeah, we've moved on a bit from um, back when we were kids. But, yeah, remember the our international listeners, this will mean nothing, but the giraffe in the van that looked like, <laughs> don't, don't do drugs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, was it called? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, no, not I've Gerald. just gone blank as well. But Life it is. in it van? No. Yeah, it is. No, no, yeah, it is. And it's, I've just forgotten his name as well. I used to park that thing up on the playground. You're like, yeah, you're in the goal square, mate. Yeah, <laughs> Park yeah. that caravan and you'd go into it. Yeah. I used to love that thing. Yeah. So um, is it Harold? Harold. Any, anyway. Harold the giraffe. The yeah. um, So it's important that you have discussions about that really purposefully and don't wait for some big peer pressure problem and antisocial behaviour to happen in your school and you go, yikes, we better do something about it. It's a bit like the kid that I, you know, met eight years down the track. It's like, no, 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 do it now. Like build this stuff. But you've got to do it in an evidence-based way. You can't just have someone roll in and go, this is what peer pressure is and let's all clap and, you know, we'll make sure that peer pressure is never a problem again. We're <laughs> <There's a, there's laughs> really trying to extinguish it. We're trying to understand it. Yeah, so you can you've, deal got to, with it. you've got to have, like what we're trying moment. to do on the pod, a good understanding of the developmental process. And then sure. the reason I think I'm valuable is I have an understanding of the pathway that gets to the clinical problem yeah. and saying, yeah, this is, this is when you worry, this is what you do to avoid that. But then when it's happened, this is what you can do as well. Yep. Hey, last question. Yep. So I haven't read this question. By the way, yes, no, I intentionally time. haven't, and we're yeah, as we're God, we used to be so tight under an hour. I know. But we'll yeah, we'll give you an opportunity to read this out, and Thank purposely you. the reason you are is because I, I think it's a powerful one. And just yeah, I haven't read it. So for those of you that do listen, you'd be surprised. I actually do rehearse all the questions. <laughs> so when I do stumble through them, they actually rehearse. So this could be interesting. Okay. Um, Oh, Nick and Billy, of course, are going to say how much I enjoy the pod and then I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, I have a 14-year-old daughter who is uh, dyslexic, dyspraxic, dyscalculic, yep. uh, dysgraphic. Um, add to that that she didn't come out breathing and she had a heart problem, SVT treated with medication, which made her quite docile. She never, uh, she never remotely hit walking, talking milestones and has been diagnosed with learning disabilities. Um, despite all that, she's a good kid and she's pretty independent, but she knows she is different. She struggles with confidence and asserting herself. She tends to follow her friend's direction. Example one, year four, her friend thought it, could, it would be a good idea to post videos of her in school uniform on TikTok. I was told by an older child at the school because I didn't have TikTok and my daughter wasn't on any social media. I had to ask the school to ask the child to remove them. Another example, last year her friend noticed my daughter's 
acne had cleared right up and asked if what she had done. My daughter replied, Roaccutane. Friend asked if she could buy some from her daughter and she agreed. In the end, the money changed hands. In the end, no money changed hands. Uh, even apart from the anaphylaxis risk, the mental health issues and the serious issue is if the f- friend fell pregnant, you just don't know what kids are getting up to. There was the drug dealing aspect of this particular episode. Um, an ADHD kid didn't want to sit in assembly, so she invited my daughter to wag it and they s- went to sit in the toilets. Uh, no, they didn't vape. Uh, this didn't seem as serious, but the school did. Uh, sorry, this didn't see it. I didn't see it as serious as the school did. And I have to support the school because they've been good with my daughter. Given the above, you'd think that when she was walking home the other week in broad daylight, she'd have said yes when a fellow was, si- was, when a fellow was sitting in a car across the street and asked her if she wanted to listen to a song on the stereo. Clearly, she has some sense because she said no and kept walking. I seem to be having to manage uh, strange danger, uh, but not the risk posed by friends. Yeah, so she's saying she's managed the stranger danger well, but is worried that she hasn't risked as friends. Yeah, the risk with mates. So yeah, how do you feel? The reason I put you on the spot a bit oh, with some yeah. tough words, but how do you feel listening to that? God, that was tough. That's really tough. Um, a lot of those. Yeah, sorry for butchering a bunch of those terms up the top there. Um, no, that's not the important bit, and those are those are all kind of. Um, yeah, difficulties in this child's development, specifically around reading and writing and maths yep. and some fine motor control stuff. Um, That's tough. But yeah, what do from you... From day th- one. Yeah. Tough from day one from that parent. Yeah. And what Didn't an amazing job they're doing. And I just love that line of, um, despite all of that, she's a good kid, you know, because <laughs> she's had all this adversity that we're really lucky that our kid hasn't... Our kids sound like we had a child together. Our children haven't had to overcome. You know, yeah. there might be things in the future, but there is a real um, challenge in that mm. of what does that mean. Now, what do you think about why this child is kind of yeah, sweet? Post me on post photo of me in school uniform on TikTok. Yeah, cool. Here's the racketane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Let's go out of assembly and sit in the toilets. Why do you think the child's doing that? Uh, just being agreeable and not wanting to reveal um, maybe some masking sort of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't so know. I don't know. It's a good point. So, yeah, I, I think that you're right. There is a challenge. Can't deal with peer pressure really well. Can't yep, say no. So there's, a in, there's something that gives me a different hint, but you're right. If there was a bit that's missing out of this, you would think, oh, this is a kid who is just shutting down their own self-worth and is kind of like, cool, whatever you say, here's a Rakutane, here's I'll go to the toilets with you, yeah, sure, post photos on me of TikTok. But I don't know about you, I get a sense, just because this parent is obviously so honest, I get a sense there's a real innocence in this child. So the, the kind of stranger who says, come into the car, the kid's like, no way. But all the other stuff, the kid is like, yeah, sweet, social connection, yeah, let's go. Like it doesn't sound like there was any kind of delinquency or kind of intentional misadventure in like, yeah, here's the Rakutane or whatever. And we've talked about this a lot. A lot of kids who either struggle with certain things like learning disabilities or who are really bright, who are intellectually gifted, are vulnerable to what we call asymmetrical development. So we go, they're 14, they should know that by now. 
But I reckon this kid will be fine because they've got an amazing parent is the main reason. But the second reason is you just need to go, cool, they're not at a 14-year-old level of understanding kind of not just peer pressure but kind of some of the social norms about it's not cool to put that on TikTok or you've got to be careful about just giving medication to someone. And that's a really good opportunity to go, cool, it's too big a stretch, my expectations are too high, I'm going to drop down and go, cool, they've missed this bit, which is that it's assembly, you've got to stay there. It's awesome that kid's trying to connect with you. I think it's really important that you have friends, especially because of the vulnerability in your self-esteem that's been identified, but giving some good guidance and giving opportunities for friendships to develop that also fit in with kind of, yeah, but you've got to stay in assembly. Or, you know, it's you don't have to kind of put stuff on TikTok because someone says so and all of those things. But the, the generic answer of any kid who has kind of learning difficulties or anything is hugely vulnerable in their self-worth and they might, in terms of going back to Rogers, they might swing more into I seek validation from others and what we need to try and give them is kind of self-validation. But I actually suspect this parent is doing that really well. Mm. So what I would say is if that was all the information I had clinically, I would say let's work on skilling them up, not just in their obvious vulnerabilities around maths and reading and writing and stuff, but also in kind of their understanding of social norms and what the expectations are and all that stuff. Because they're just more likely to be at, say, a 10-year-old level. And you're like, if it was a 10-year-old doing that, you'd be like, yeah, sweet, you don't really get that bit of it, that it's not okay to do that. But I'm going to guide you towards it okay. and not hit my head against the wall going, you're never going to figure this out. It's yep. just going back and then stepping slowly up through it. Yep. But it's a great one to end on because it's just it just shows how phenomenal our community of listeners are, that they have do this amazing job and it's the best job in the world, but mm-hmm. can be the hardest job in the world of supporting kids in their development. So it's um, a really nice one to kind of close out on mm. of just the honesty that this parent shared of a gorgeous kid who is um, is struggling a bit. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, God, such – yeah, the detail was fantastic in it as well. That's what we love with these questions for part two. Mm. Um, part two episodes are really driven by people sending through um, and responding to our polls because that's what um, – yeah, it's a lot, a lot of things are on people's minds on these topics um, and I think that that's a really vivid um, – example of everything that one parent's going through and navigating really well and is really aware of so yeah awesome mm. um billy that does conclude episode 55 yeah. bit apologies a bit long again bit long again we're gonna work on this billy um hmm. i'm gonna have to bring out the yes i'm gonna have to keep Maybe going anyway talking about it isn't gonna save more time for these people so let's uh let's just say thank you very much guys billy it's awesome i love those um i think um yeah, a lot of passion coming through in a lot of those responses, which is awesome. So appreciate that and appreciate your time putting into doing it. Guys, uh, we've got episode 56 coming up next week. Not sure what the topic or the film is yet, so we're just going to sit on that. Head to head on the two most common things we're getting asked. Okay, so. yep, awesome. Um, but we, um, we'll be back next week. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate your time. Just use your best judgment. We try
Christian.